You are listening to Primary Care Perspectives, a podcast where pediatric experts from Children's Hospital of Philadelphia and other guests discuss primary care issues that are on their minds and the hot topics that all pediatricians see affecting their daily practice. This podcast is for general informational and educational purposes only and is not to be considered as medical advice for any particular patient. Clinicians must rely on their own informed clinical judgment in making recommendations to their patients. Hi, this is Dr. Katie Lockwood, a primary care pediatrician at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, and today I'm talking about childhood literacy. Joining me are Drs. Danielle Urkaboni and Trudy Hecker. Danielle is a pediatrician at the CHOP Norristown Primary Care site and was a National Clinician Scholar and has a Master of Science in Health Policy Research, certainly someone who takes care of children in vulnerable populations, which is something that we're going to be talking about today. And Danielle got involved with a program at CHOP called Reach Out and Read. And Trudy is the Medical Director of Global Patient Services and has worked in primary care for many years and is now the Medical Director of Reach Out and Read. So I'm really excited to talk to both of you in particular about childhood literacy because of the fact that you have this longstanding dedication to primary care and especially vulnerable children and thinking about things like literacy and development of literacy skills in early childhood. So thank you so much for joining me to talk about this really important topic. Thank you. Glad to be here. Every two years, the National Assessment of Educational Progress, or the NAEP, which is sometimes called the nation's report card, is given to a sampling of fourth and eighth graders in each state and some large cities, including Philadelphia. In 2017, just 17% of Philadelphia fourth graders scored at or above the NAEP proficient level. So my first question for you is, why are there so many children in cities like Philadelphia who are not proficient readers? Fantastic question, Katie. Uh, You know, I work with an organization called Read by Fourth. Read by Fourth is a coalition for grade level reading. Um, There are similar coalitions in large cities and in areas across the country looking to address that same issue. In Read by Fourth, we use standard metrics to begin to assess that. And some of the scores that you mentioned are ones we use to assess our progress here in Philadelphia and beyond. And so the answer as to why that number is the way that it is, is very complex and is very much rooted, not just in the Philadelphia context, but in a nationwide context. Children in large urban areas may have access to different opportunities than those who live in other places. And so that is something that we begin to ask ourselves is how systemically we can begin to provide advantages for children in a variety of different capacities. You know, certainly the Reach Out and Read program is one that speaks to underserved families. And so we want to begin to raise those families up to elevate the conversation and begin that conversation as early as as birth, quite honestly. And I know as a primary care pediatrician, that's one that is close to your heart. And so that is how we as pediatricians are beginning to address that disparity, but one that has been taken on by many, many organizations coming together across the city of Philadelphia. And, you know, I mentioned Read by Fourth. Read by Fourth is a coalition of over a hundred organizations. And we feel strongly that by bringing together our collective voice, we can begin to change some of those metrics that you brought up. And you mentioned this is a complex problem with many different causes. So it requires some complex solutions. I think what happens is children, by the time they enter kindergarten, 
may already be behind, which is why Reach Out and Read is so incredibly important. Getting to those children early on to introduce literacy in the context of healthcare, which is what Reach Out and Read does, so that they are sharing books with their parents, their caregivers, being read to on a regular basis. We know that that can advance language acquisition as well as receptive language. So we also want to make sure that we're doing this as early as possible, as Danielle said. And we hear about the school to prison pipeline where juveniles who have issues at school like suspensions often end up in the juvenile justice system. On a related note, research suggests that 75% of inmates cannot read at the 12th grade level. So how might a lack of literacy skills push youth along the school to prison pipeline? Again, a fantastic question. I recently read a very similar piece looking at how associations with the prior predictive data, that how associations with lack of literacy actually contributes to that pipeline and contributes to incarceration rates. And so it's one that as a policy team, we're looking to address. We know that the systems that inform that are multifactorial, but you can imagine how many factors a lack of literacy or low proficiency in reading can really address, can affect your ability to acquire gainful employment, to communicate, to effectively advocate for yourself. And so thinking about Those factors and many others are ones that are recent expansion to include uh, members on our team that look very specifically at the policy level that informs those changes has been kind of at our forefront. You mentioned I'm faculty at CHOP's Policy Lab. We have been so fortunate to have the support of folks at Policy Lab, to have support to bring this conversation to the forefront and to work to advocate not just on understanding the situation better, but to begin to make changes on on both a micro level within our practices and a macro level to begin to create change that meets that at its source and to understand it better, to better characterize it so that we can do that. But again, really complex issues, but the data is there. It's undeniable. I think it's certainly a place that as primary care pediatricians, we can't you know, say literacy isn't an issue that we need to address because if we're looking out toward primary prevention to the health and welfare downstream of the children that we're looking to raise up, data like that can't be ignored. So we've mentioned Reach Out and Read a few times, but we didn't actually talk about what it is. So for those who aren't familiar, tell us a little bit about the Reach Out and Read program. So Reach Out and Read is an amazing early literacy program that occurs in the context of pediatric well care. So soon after birth, with pediatricians giving ancestral guidance about the importance of reading aloud, of talking and singing to their children, then actually having brand new gorgeous book that they get at every checkup from the age of six months to five years. And then the concept of having books all around in the waiting room and the importance of reading aloud is the message that comes from the front desk all the way through to the pediatrician's offices and to the nurses as you leave the building as well. We started Reach Out and Read at CHOP almost 25 years ago. We started it because I had heard about the program. It's a national program with over 6,400 sites, and we were the 10th site in the country to adopt the model. We have now given out more than a million and a half books to children in West Philly and South Philadelphia. And the program is really a passion of so many of our pediatricians, including you, Dr. Lockwood. So I want to thank you personally for that as well. The concept is that you're getting the book early in the assessment and the visit so that you're talking about and you're modeling for the parent. 
that book. And it's a gorgeous book. It's a book that cost much more if you went to a bookstore. These are all brand new books that we're able to fund through our program and then model for the parent, particularly the babies, and then go ahead and give that advice about reading aloud and really engaging. It's really about parent-child engagement, not just about reading aloud and making this a homework chore, but really that richness of the parent-child engagement. And you mentioned that Reach Out and Read started 25 years ago at CHOP, but it started as a program 30 years ago and is now supported by 6,000 clinics and practices nationally and reaches an estimated 25% of low-income children. However, there's still some people that see Reach Out and Read as just simply a book giveaway program. The creators, Dr. Zuckerman and Needleman, have even published on this. So tell us how Reach Out and Read is more than just giving away a book. Thank you for alluding to that. You know, we have worked to train each of the sites, as has Reach Out and Read nationally. You mentioned those 6,000 sites. To begin to provide training to underpin that notion. We know that book provision programs, and there are many, many, many across Philadelphia, across the greater Philadelphia area, and beyond nationwide, are fantastic. Getting books into homes is the first step. But what really sets Reach Out and Read aside from programs that simply provide a book is that anticipatory guidance coming from a trusted messenger. That anticipatory guidance has grown and changed to reflect the state of the art science. You know, Trudy began to mention that, you know, modeling for parents, showing them the book, but then taking it above and beyond and really talking about the role of parent-child engagement. What we know, the predictor that comes out strongest when we're looking at what is it that really affects all of those downstream effects, kindergarten readiness, early literacy rates, bonding and parent-child engagement and, and increasing that relationship, and then going to the provider level, job satisfaction and decreased burnout, so many downstream effects. What really is it isn't walking into the room with a book. It's everything that comes after that. And the guidance has really grown to show that it doesn't have to be this pristine moment. It doesn't have to be this time where you sit down and you read and everything is beautiful and calm, although it can be. But really what matters is that interchange between baby and child, between young child and parent. That interchange between people is what strengthens the neural networks that go on to strengthen those language centers that then go on to increase word development and language acquisition and all of those downstream effects that I talked about. And it just begins in that conversational exchange. And so providing a book without rooting it into, this book is simply a tool. This book is a tool to have those exchanges with. You can have them with a poster on the wall. You can have them with the trees that you saw on the way here. You can have them with this book and have this incredibly bonding you know, moment if that is how that plays out. But integrating those conversations into your day is how the provider begins to frame that discussion, creating that space to have those discussions for all the well visits that follow. And so that is really what has risen to the top as the predictor for what changes those long-term outcomes for children. And we are still working on acquiring studies. We're always looking for increased participation in sites. So if someone's listening and is involved in this research, we would love to work with you. Um, but doing those long-term studies 
is really where we are next because what we know is that is the predictor having those exchanges and the interactions and not just increasing the size of your bookshelf although that's a great thing too so you mentioned studies and you know i participate in the reach out and read program as trudy mentioned at my site and i love handing out books to patients but as pediatricians and academic pediatricians as you both know we're always looking at the evidence so I know that Reach Out and Read is doing some research looking at the outcomes of the program. So what have we learned in terms of the benefits of Reach Out and Read for children and families? That's fantastic. And some of which is happening right here at Reach Out and Read Greater Philadelphia. Some is just happening nationwide. And so we are really working together to pull together that research. What we know, here's what we know. We know that Reach Out and Read affects a child's readiness for kindergarten. We know that Reach Out and Read and families that participate in Reach Out and Read have increased time and duration and frequency spent reading with their children. We know that the beginnings of exposing kids to Reach Out and Read earlier starts those conversations earlier, but families that have been doing it all along tend to do just the same. They're reading to their kids more. Um, we have begun to look in, in research happening right here in, in Philadelphia as to what does that mean? What is the special sauce of the book? Can that book be translated to a digital framework and still work just the same? We know a lot of our questions around today's day and age is how much can kids learn from screens? Is this really a, trans a transition that, that, um, that can happen seamlessly? And what we've found thus far is that no, it doesn't translate. There's something special about those conversations with a book that happen more effectively with pages than they do with screens. And so we're beginning the conversations of understanding that a little bit better in research done by our team here at CHOP led by Dr. Jim Culvera. And so we are looking to that work to begin to define what the next question is as we think more about reach out and read in a digital age. Those are outcomes that focus on the kids. We know that there are additional outcomes that focus on the providers themselves. And so there's been fantastic studies that just came out this past year looking at provider burnout and that providers who participate in the Reach Out and Read program experience less burnout, that there's job satisfaction that comes through having these conversations with families. And then there's also been a really interesting study that came out recently that showed that not just the conversations, not just reading, but families that participate in Reach Out and Read use other resources to get books more frequently. So there's more library utilization as well. And so as a team, we're beginning to pull this all together and begin to define some of those gaps so that we can then say, how can we continue to move the anticipatory guidance we gather through Reach Out and Read to the next phase? How can we use it to help both literacy outcomes? And then we have, I haven't mentioned any associated health outcomes, but how can we begin to ask questions there as well? I think it's been remarkable in my career to go from a program that just seemed like such a very good idea. I was reading to my young children at the time we started it at CHOP in 1996, to now having this amazing evidence-based research and that we know that this intervention is one of the most effective things we do as general pediatricians. So I appreciate what Daniel has brought to the table here because it is so important. That's why our team is so committed to continuing to advance the research that we have, particularly in this digital age. I worry tremendously about that. And her work has demonstrated that in fact, and work of others, that in fact, the 
phone. The iPad is not nearly as rich for that interaction between a parent and child as a real book, an old-fashioned book sitting in mommy's lap or caregiver's lap, grandma's lap, now that I'm a grandma. (laughs) (laughs) So also with the pandemic, many kids are watching more screen time than usual. So what are some of the strategies for limiting screen time and encouraging reading? That has been kind of the hottest question that has been asked of me as someone who does this research, as well as a primary care physician. What do we do and how do we do it? And, you know, to that end, there are no clear concrete answers. We, of course, continue to, you know, stick with the AAP guidelines that minimizing screen time at all possible and encouraging active play is very much what we recommend to families. We are beginning a pillar of research looking at how to best encourage books, how to best look to the content of books and the type of books that we're handing out, whether those characteristics really help to encourage folks to pick up a book rather than looking to a digital screen to amuse kids or occupy kids or help kids learn. I think we're looking to better understand that as providers And quite honestly, as a parent of young kids myself, I understand the ease at which a screen can occupy children. But to that same end, that's why we saw that screens were more isolating than books when we looked at them in comparing them with shared reading. And so I hesitate to advocate or to acknowledge that such an isolating activity is something that we can continue on, especially as we see this pandemic going on for longer and longer periods of time. It makes me have, you know, worry for kids and how can we as pediatricians position ourselves to have some answers there. I don't think we have all the answers yet. I think it's certainly thinking, you know, something we're looking into and we're we're researching more. But, you know, at the individual level in my practice, I'm, you know, providing a lot of guidance on how to incorporate and how to encourage free play, play with books, but also provide a lot of forgiveness and, you know, relieving of that guilt for families that really see a lot of their children's time become increasingly occupied with screens. And so I think it's it's bidirectionally really have to kind of approach it from both standpoints. But Reach and Read provides a moment for that where you really can say, here's access to some increased resources that we know can encourage that more imaginative play. And I do think the book sharing is crucial to that parent-child interaction. There's very little else you can do when you're reading to a baby in your lap and really engaging and pointing out pictures and talking about the faces and asking WH dialogic questions about what's happening next. So We want to continue this Reach Out and Read program and continue to spread it. I actually feel like this is even more important now during COVID times than it was even six months ago for us so that families have another outlet to really avoid the isolation that Danielle was speaking about. And then another topic that we're all talking about and working on is addressing systemic racism. So can you explain the importance of diverse and culturally responsive books and how Reach Out and Read is working on this? Yeah, we have always had a a mind to looking at culturally and racially and ethnically diverse books, but I don't think we really realized how limited we were in that supply. This recent events of the murder of George Floyd has really brought to the forefront of all of our minds the importance of really taking an anti-racism stance with our patients, with ourselves. And so we actually have now been working with the National Center and looking at many more books that might be available to us to really have that conversation. It's an uncomfortable topic for many parents. So having books to share that message with 
even as young as infants, the ability to understand that someone is different than us sets in very early. So how do we make that more of an equalizing conversation so that children see multiple faces and multiple experiences in the books that we're reading to them? So we're excited. The National Center has really begun to look at this and our book purchases for each of the offices will be vastly enriched over the next six months to a year to make sure that we're being much more careful about this. I think we all thought we were pretty far along, but I think this has caught us all as a nation to really rethink where we are personally, in our practices, and in our policies. That's great to hear. I'm sure there's a lot of pediatricians who, after listening to this, are interested in getting more involved in promoting literacy in their practices. So how and where can they get started with this? So if you're in the Philadelphia area, we have our website, Reach Out and Read. GP, so R-O-R-G-P, which is reach out and read greaterphiladelphia.org. Just go to that website and you can look us all up. We have staff working along with Danielle. We have a team of people that will be happy to engage with you and work on the application process for it. If you're outside the Philadelphia region, we have an advocacy grant that we're working on for the state of Pennsylvania. So we'll be happy to chat with you as well if you just send an email to me, hacker, H-A-E-C-K-E-R at email.chop.edu. And then nationally, reachoutandread.org, spelled out as one word, is the way to find out more about the program. Great. So I would like you to give us your top three takeaway points about childhood literacy that you want all pediatricians to know. I have to tell you that I really don't know how to see children without having Reach Out and Read. I have done it for almost 25 years now, and it never ceases to amaze me of the bond that you create with your families. I have parents coming back to me 20 plus years later saying the importance that a book made in their child's life. That to me is why I went into pediatrics. This book, this intervention, the guidance, we didn't have all this great research 25 years ago, 30 years ago when it started. We do now and we know the difference it's made. So for me personally, the power of one, the power of the book in the lives of the children that I've taken care of is amazing. And then that message of not forgetting the book in this very digital age, I think is crucial. And how much more advanced are children and really empowering. I've taken care of inner city children most of my life and really empowering them to you can succeed. You know, I have now many patients that have worked their way through high school and college. And part of it is because they were made aware of the importance of literacy as an infant. And so that to me is why this is so important. I'm going to go with two, if you don't mind, but I think that they're big asks. I'd say, number one, whether you're doing the reach and read intervention in your clinic, or if it is simply part of your anticipatory guidance to talk about early literacy, I'd encourage you to frame it in the lens of parent-child interaction. We know that, you know, and I, I hate to sound like a broken record, but those exchanges, that back and forth, one of my favorite, the viral video of the baby and the dad, it was eventually in an iPhone, I believe, commercial. It was like nine months old. He was sitting quite well. So I'm saying he was about nine months old. And they were having this exchange. The child was preverbal, but you can see that reciprocity back and forth. And so I frame a lot of my anticipatory guidance, even in families of children who are preverbal, in that lens, that that back and forth, 
is what really matters. And I think especially in these times with pandemic, having that notion of forgiveness and really saying, we know that this is tough. We know that the pull towards screen time is huge, but try to integrate that, even if it's just in passing, in the car, on the bus, walking somewhere, sitting around, to have those little exchanges, you are doing what's best for your baby and having them with books is all the better. I'm gonna go with three. Actually, I'm I'm, I'm upgrading. Uh, I'm sorry. Number two, <laughs> um, I think it, it spawns from that, and is that those interactions can happen well around a book, but reading doesn't have to look perfect, right? Some of my favorite slogans that are coming out of the Read by Fourth campaign is a kid chewing on a book, and it says, "This is reading." right? And so reading can be anything. Reading is you having a moment with your child that involves a book, and it can look like anything. It's just their child hearing your voice. And so perhaps it's more the mama in me speaking than the pediatrician herself. But having that forgiveness, I think, is important. And framing your anticipatory guidance such that it has that, that reading looks like anything and you've got this, you can do this. And I think it's just as important now in times where we're more isolated as it was in the past. And then the last one, and that was just my plug to please additionally include conversations about our increasingly digital world into your anticipatory guidance as much as possible. You know, in recent surveys with parents, both qualitative, looking at interview data as well as quantitative, what we found is that families, at least in their own report, did not feel like they heard as much from their pediatrician around screen time outside of perhaps a rote guidance around the two by two rule, you know, like two hours or less per day of non-academic screen time for kids older than two, right? And the guidelines have since been revised and updated, and they're a little more gray and they're harder to give out, but I you know, recommend strongly, I have an article out in Pediatrics Perspective piece talking about using devices in the room. Utilize that device. You see a device in a kid's hand, say, how does that work in your home? What are your challenges? What are your struggles? Where do you look to that for? What questions does it answer and what more does it raise? Because by framing it with the device in the room, you can begin to not just address where that fits in for those families, but try to limit the duration of the conversation. We have so many things we need to talk about, but begin to really pinpoint what that is for families and hone in on that and making that part of anticipatory guidance as well, right? Pairs very hand in hand with your reach and read anticipatory guidance. So those are my three asks. I know they're big. I tried to keep it to two, but couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you both so much for sharing your passion for childhood literacy with us and telling us more about the reach out and read program. I know I have a patient whose parent always asks me to sign her reach out and read book, and I try to write an inspirational quote in it. It's a lot of pressure for every well visit. But I really love the idea of those sitting on her bookshelf. And like you mentioned, the impact that the message is coming from the pediatrician, that this is as important as all the other things that we talk to our patients about. And the fact that she could be reading that book and thinking that my pediatrician values reading as much as she does the rest of my physical health and mental health, that that's what Reach Out and Read is about to me. So thank you so much for joining us and sharing your message. And we will link to the studies that you talked about in this podcast on our site, which is www.chop.edu slash PCP podcast. Thank you. Bye now. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Primary Care Perspectives. You can download and subscribe to future episodes on iTunes or visit chop.edu slash PCP podcast for a listing of all episodes. I look forward to our next chat. 